835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, before we get to three big things, two stories. One, a, a breaking news story that we are going to be watching all day. Um, numbers are, are just numbers, but there are significant numbers, and zero-year numbers tend to be, zeros tend to be significant numbers. You know, if you have one of those zero-year birthdays, it kind of perhaps causes you to reflect on life and things like that. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average just opened up, and for the first time, it has opened over 22,000. Yesterday evening, it closed around uh, 21,960. It's opened up 50 points today um, in aftermarket trading. Amazon had a, 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 a Apple, actually. Apple had a, a big after-hours trading thing. Uh, but the Dow is now over 22,000 for the first time. Right now, it's 22,015. Will it hold that? Will it continue to finish over 22,000? I don't know, but if it does, it'll be the highest finish ever. Stock market has certainly been on a tear lately, and that's going to be one of the stories. And, and by the way, this is the stock market increase, at least so far, and I don't play a financial advisor on the radio, but one of the things that's been interesting is a lot of times when you see the big decreases that freak people out, it's in response to a particular political incident. Oh, um, Great Britain passed Brexit. Oh, people freak out, and then... It, it's a, a temporary political thing. So then people sell, and then a week later, the, the stock market is higher than it's been. The Dow Jones Industrial Average and the increase has been largely fueled on earnings. Um, earnings that our companies are reporting have been very, very good as a general rule, and that's been you know inspiring investor confidence and all. So in any event, we're going to be watching this story all day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average now for the first time over 22,000. All right, before we get to three big things, there's a story that I saw yesterday afternoon that I thought was, well, perhaps ironic. And I want to see if you can catch the irony in this story. Now, I have the press releases from um, the Milwaukee Police Department, but let me, let me just share with you the way this story is reported in the Journal Sentinel. Stolen Milwaukee police squad car recovered after chase in Missouri. An unmarked Milwaukee police car stolen from the Haymarket neighborhood Monday night was recovered in Missouri, and a 52-year-old Milwaukee man is in custody, authorities said. Apparently, he got in a car chase with state troopers in Illinois that went into Missouri and banged into a couple of semi-trucks And the car and the individual who is from Milwaukee and is wanted for several crimes is now under arrest and our car is apparently somewhat banged up, Milwaukee Police Chief Edward Flynn said Tuesday. At any rate, we're glad we have the bad guy in custody, he said. The squad car disappeared between 8.30 and 11.30 p.m. from the 1600 block of North 7th Street, according to a news report. uh, report. Um, Besides a squad radio, the vehicle contained no guns or other police equipment of significance. A detective was entering the Sojourner Family Peace Center on the block with an armful of files and dropped her keys without noticing, Flynn said. A man passing by picked up the keys and drove off, later prompting the chase. 
The suspect is wanted for several crimes, Flynn said. The investigation is ongoing, and police will prevent charges, present charges to the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. Okay, that is the story. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is there an element? Do you notice the one thing that, it, well, there's a number of interesting aspects of the story, but to me, is there something that you notice that is particularly ironic about that story cop going into a building drops her keys doesn't notice guy passing by sees it jumps in the car drives off steals the unmarked squad car drives apparently uh, starting to drive across country is spotted in illinois um illinois state troopers end up following him and ultimately to catch him 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line okay irony alert what if anything do you notice about that story we'll discuss next and also we've got three big things it's 840 this is jeff wagner 620 wtmj it's 843 jeff wagner 620 wtmj pd who is producing the show today I love this job. The listeners are making me laugh. I just love this job. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Irony alert. What is especially ironic about the story I just shared? I mean, the good news is stolen Milwaukee police car recovered in Missouri. Greg in Oak Creek. Greg, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. Okay, what's ironic? Um, the first thing that stood out in my mind, it was pretty ironic that um, the Milwaukee police policy against police chases, and one of their cruisers was recovered only after a police chase through another state. Greg, you got yeah, Greg, you you got it in, in one, and then the police chief says, "Well, we're we're we're, we're glad. I'm, I'm happy. We've got the bad guy. We've recovered the car. We've got the bad guy." You are exactly right. Under Milwaukee Police Department current policy, administered by Ed Flynn. This is not a situation where you would have chased. It was simply a stolen car. There wasn't evidence or any indication that the person had done anything else. If this had been in Milwaukee, that squad car would have just been allowed to drive off, and they wouldn't have caught the bad guy. (laughs) No, thanks for the call. Our 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 text line has has just absolutely um, exploded with people um, responding to this particular story. Uh, Let's see here. Let's... um, uh, let's see, Justin. The police in Illinois and Missouri actually noticed the stolen MPD mark car and chased the Milwaukee criminal to arrest him and recover the car. All right, here's one of our texts. <laughs> it's likely that this is the first chase that Milwaukee police car has ever been in. Yes, Mitch in Sturgeon Bay. Um, Mitch in Sturgeon Bay shares with us. Double irony is obvious. Milwaukee police don't pursue even their own vehicle. It takes other states' cops to pursue and recover their cruiser. Bring Missouri and Illinois cops here to install law and order. Yes, Mike and Waukesha. They got their man and our squad because they chased it into Missouri. Um, Ryan in Racine. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, don't the police cars in Milwaukee have GPS systems so that they would know where they are at? I, that I do not know. Dan points out they chased. Absolutely. No kidding about it. They just ended up chasing. Um, let's see. Doc says, here's a police agency pursuing a stolen vehicle, which was stolen from a police agency that doesn't pursue stolen vehicles. Karma. Yes, there is there is this irony to that story that the only reason that they have recovered this stolen squad car 
is because the bad guy drove it out of the Milwaukee jurisdiction, and you had cops that when they saw it was a stolen car that tried to run from them, they followed and caught it. And the police chief makes the statement that he's he's very, very happy that the bad guy is in custody. At any rate, we're glad to have the bad guy in custody. Everybody is glad to have the bad guy in custody. But here's the question, Ed. If you're glad to have this bad guy in custody, why don't you look at maybe modifying the chase policy like everybody is telling you to do so you could get more bad guys in custody? Absolutely. Irony alerts, screaming irony of that whole story. And again, the other, the, of course, the, the other thing, it's not necessarily ironic, but it is, again, an ongoing commentary in crime in Milwaukee. I mean, here's the deal. You've got a police officer. She's apparently got files in her hand. She drops her keys, doesn't notice it. There's somebody walking by on the street who sees that she's dropped her car keys. All right. Now, what do normal people do? Normal people say, excuse me, officer, you've dropped your car keys, and you pick them up and you give them to her, right? That is not what happens in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. <laughs> you, you've got criminals walking. They see that the squad, they see that the woman, the police officer, has dropped the keys. And what do they do? The first response is, I'm stealing the car. And they don't care that it's a cop car. I mean, this is how brazen the thieves are. Should we be surprised that criminals from Milwaukee are going out to Shorewood, for example, and going into cars parked in people's driveways and getting in unlocked cars and opening using garage door openers to get into people's houses and doing home invasions? Should we be surprised by that? Should we be surprised that Milwaukee criminals are heading out to Richfield and committing crimes? No, we, we shouldn't. Because Milwaukee criminals are so very bold that they see a police officer drop her keys and their immediate response is, I'm going to jump in and steal the squad car. (sighs) All right, we start off this show like we start off every show. Three big things. Big story number one. Um, The White House caught in... I don't know if it is fair to say that it is a lie, but it's another story that, that doesn't look good. You might remember a week or two ago, New York Times runs this story about uh, President Trump's kid, Donald Jr., who takes this meeting with represent with this Russian lawyer, and the email exchange leading up to it said that, all right, we're um, that they, they've got dirt on Hillary Clinton that they want to share. And the son said, great. And then there was other emails suggesting that this was coming from the Russian government, which if it did, if it did, would arguably, and I I say arguably, some lawyers think that this would violate various laws. I'm not one that's, I don't believe that that's the case. I I don't think just merely somebody giving dirt to somebody else is what they call an in-kind contribution. So I don't think that there was any sort of crime committed here in the first place. And I've argued that. But at the same time, it's one of these things that kind of looks unseemly. Well, in any event, they put out a statement initially after this happened. And the statement was, well, there's no, there, there, was, there was nothing campaign related at all. It was a meeting that we were going to talk about um, adoption of Russian children. Right? That, that's what the initial statement was. That statement was not true. Now, again, I don't think even if they had had the meeting and even if, this Russian lawyer had given Trump Jr. 
in, uh, incriminating information against Hillary Clinton, I don't believe that that would have been a, a crime. I, I just don't. I don't think that would be an in-kind contribution. But but the initial statement they put out said that no, that there was nothing campaign related at all. It was at best a misleading statement. At worst, it was false. So then when they get called on that, when these other emails come out, the, the statement is, well, the president had nothing to do with this. These were lawyers that were involved in this, and so the president had nothing to do with it. Well, the story in the Washington Post today, and let me share it with you, um, a portion of it. The White House defended President Donald Trump's involvement in issuing a statement about his son's meeting with a Russian lawyer during the campaign, saying the statement was true and that the president was simply acting as a father. The statement that Don Jr. issued is true. There's no inaccuracy in the statement, the White House press secretary said. The president weighed in, just as any father would, based on the limited information he had. Um... The statement now, however, contradicts past statements from Trump's attorney denying that he had any involvement. Um, Apparently what happened is that President Trump, when he became aware of this issue, weighed in and offered suggestions on the statement that claimed in the meeting Donald Trump Jr. and other participants primarily discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children. Emails obtained by the New York Times subsequently released later show the meeting was pitched to the kid about to sell derogatory information about Hillary Clinton. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I want to be real clear here. I don't think this is obstruction of justice. I don't think that this is any violation of the campaign finance laws. But here you have another situation where apparently, contrary to what was presented to the general public, the president was directly involved in helping issue an initial statement on this story. Now, I believe it ultimately is a non-story. I believe that it's been completely overblown. But you have the president who was involved in issuing a statement, and the attorneys, people were saying, no, we had nothing to do with this. It was completely separate. Well, now it turns out that, that it wasn't completely separate, that the president was involved in doing a lot of his own damage control, and that the damage control involved being perhaps less than candid with the American people. All right, some people are making this a big deal. I don't think this is impeachable. I don't think it's obstruction of justice. But I think it's another situation where, candidly, the Trump administration continues to shoot itself in the foot. And the Trump response is, well, he was just involved like this, like like any father would be. Well, he's not any father. He's the president of the United States. And by deciding to get involved in helping do the damage control and writing the statement and trying to control this and then trying to pretend that he wasn't. He makes this a third, a fourth, a fifth day story. And it, again, calls into question what's going on in the White House and are they telling the truth about anything. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is, again, this larger point. The White House needs, and maybe this is what the new chief of staff, John Kelly, can do. The White House needs to get this kind of stuff under control. You know, if President Trump is going to decide that he wants to firsthand shape statements that are coming out on behalf of his son, that, that's fine. But, but they shouldn't deny that he's done it. And if he's doing these things, 
it should be accurate because every time something like this happens, it makes it more and more difficult to advance a Trump agenda because people just read this stuff. And I mean, I understand there's some people that hate Donald Trump and aren't going to believe anything he says. And there's some people that love Donald Trump and, you know, they'll believe anything he says. But for the vast majority of people, that silent majority, I think things like this hurt credibility and he needs to get his act together. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 854. It's 857. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. See, I continue to believe that meeting that Donald Trump Jr. had with that Russian lawyer, there's nothing to this at all. But they, the, the, the Trump administration has made this a multiple-day story by, first of all, putting out information about the meeting, which was false or misleading, then denying that the president was involved in putting out the statement. Now they're acknowledging that the president was drafting it. Huh. Dennis in Pewaukee. Dennis, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm a little frustrated being yeah. understatement. I, I want to know, why did, why does the Trump administration, or Trump specifically, insist on acting like the Clintons? Yes. First of all, he's he's not as good at it as they are. And secondly, that's exactly why we didn't, didn't elect her. And someone needs to drill him with these two points. Yes. Before, you know, they destroy all credibility of the office if they haven't already. Witness, I, I mean, I think your analogy is spot on. I mean, here's and, and it, again, it, it's one of these things. You, you take what I think is a nothing burger of a story and you end up keeping it in the front page for, you know, a couple of weeks. And again, I understand where the media is going with it. He's his own worst enemy. Well, well he is. And and the then you put out the statement. Well, okay, he was involved like any father would be. Well, n- no, if you're the, you're not just any father, you are the president of the United States. Um, there's all these investigations swirling around your connection with Russia. You, what are you doing, being the one that crafts exactly. this misleading statement for your kid? Let the let the lawyers do it for God's sake. You know, I mean, right. no, thank, thank Dennis. You're, you see, that's see, that's I mean, the key. It's it's why does the president? And I think that's the perfect question. Why does he insist on again acting? behavior you would expect this from bill clinton you would expect it from hillary clinton but you know you you know just you just get past that type of thing because you make this a multiple story this is part of the problem with micromanaging and i think it's part of the problem that's going to unless a chief of staff like john kelly can get a handle on on the president this is the type of stuff that's going to bog down the administration this idea that the president wants to act as his own lawyer his own PR person, and his own I-know-better-than-everybody-else. And this is a president who thinks he is more clever than everybody else, and the truth is he's really not. He's successful. Can't take that away from him. I think he's got some good ideas when it comes to policy, but he's about too clever by half. And doing stuff like this always blows up in his face, and it is a distraction to the agenda that a lot of us want to push. All right, big story number two coming up, Foxconn in the state legislature. Stick around. It's 859. It's 908, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, big story number two. New York Times reporting the Trump administration 
might, 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 might start taking on colleges over discriminatory practices in admissions. All right, now this has been something that has been bubbling for for years. You have a number of colleges and universities across the country who, in an effort to try to get a more diverse student body, meaning a more racially diverse student body, have started um, watering down admission standards or giving certain preferences to members of certain underrepresented minority groups. And it's interesting because most of these schools that do this, they, 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 they pick and choose. Um, for example, if you're Asian, well, you're not going to get preferences because you have the Asian students that statistically um, tend to, they don't need the preferences. They come in, they, they score really well, they do really well. But if you're a member of another minority group, particularly African-American, a lot of times there are preferences. Now, the Supreme Court most recently in this case out of Texas that's been up and down uh, many times, has, in a very, very close vote, ruled that educational benefits that flow from having a diverse student body can justify race as one factor among many in what they describe as a holistic evaluation. Um, so you, you, can't, you can't have a racial quota or a race-based point system. So it's not like you, okay, a veteran's preference, you know, we're going to give the veteran 10 points uh, for the job. You can't do that. But you can include race as a factor. Um, But the question is, nobody really knows what that means. So um, what that permits in in real life is very, very unclear and very, very up in the air. So the report is that the Department of Justice, which under the Obama administration supported, as a general rule, race-based admission policies, where race was allowed to be included as a factor, Um, the report is that the Department of Justice appears to be ready to make a complete and total turn, a a 180-degree turn turn on this. Um, They're also apparently going to be looking at stark gaps in test scores and dropout rates among different racial groups within student bodies, um, again, to try to determine if admission offices were putting too great an emphasis on an applicant's race and crossing the line the Supreme Court had drawn. In, in other words, if you have, I don't know, two, two students and one, one is white and has a GPA of, I don't know, 3.8 and scores... 700 on the SAT score, for example, Um, and that person doesn't get in out of high school, and you have somebody else who is a member of a minority group that's one of these protected groups, and they score a 3.0 GPA, and they have a 600 score on the SAT, and they do get in, and then they end up ultimately not being able to cut it and dropping out. Um, would that be an indicator of, of maybe the fact that there's too much emphasis put on race? But it appears that the Department of Justice is trying to move towards a race-neutral admissions policy. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should it matter in admissions, should it matter what the color of one's skin is? Should we continue to allow race to be a a factor um, in the decision? Now, are, there's always going to be some degree of subjectivity that, that goes into it. Um, if you have 
two kids applying for admission and you've got a limited let's say there's only one spot available and both of the kids have 3.8 gpas and both of them are within 20 points of each other on sat or act scores or whatever how do you decide which of those two kids to take now might be that you then start to look at things hey the, the one kid had all these extracurricular activities did all this volunteer work the other kid did, did nothing so maybe you say okay we, we want we want to take the one that did all these extracurricular activities and was a student body president and was involved in all these things we'll, we'll take that kid okay that would be one of the subjective factors that you use should race be a subjective factor as well 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss next. It's big story number two. The Justice Department has heads exploding all across the country this morning by reports that they might be challenging the concept that race should be a factor or could be a factor in deciding who gets into colleges. We discuss next. It's 914 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 916, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The crew in the car square off in game two of the series tonight out at Miller Park. That was one, in my opinion, one of the best played games of the season yesterday. Just Brewers scored three runs in the first inning. Make it stand up. Exciting. Just a fun baseball game to listen to you. We'll send it out to Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering to begin our game day coverage at 635 this evening. It is sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, I think they should take it into consideration. It's not like they're uh, – the whole process is is subjective. Um, you know, you get kids that have a 3.5 at uh, Oak Creek. They don't get into Madison. But you have 20 kids from Whitefish Bay that have a uh, 3.4, and they all get in. So um, – and it's because they rate the school better mm-hmm. as, a, as a better school. So uh, there's so many subjective factors that – you know, if they want to take it into consideration, as long as they're not giving it, you know. But but of, of course, is race is race isn't a subjective factor like what you're talking about, um, where you know they say okay, one school is better than another, so that the kids a three point four at Whitefish Bay might mean more than a three point six somewhere else. Um, race race is an objective factor. Somebody right, getting points all, simply because of the color of their skin. They also take into consideration. Um, uh, how much um, you activities. Know, volunteering you sure. do and activities. And, and if I'm if I'm a kid from the central city and I've got to work uh, to help pay the bills in, in my family or, or for myself, and I've got a kid who goes to you know uh, university school who uh, can volunteer all they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and, and I, I, I'm not saying that race should be a a main factor, but I think it's a factor that should be considered. I mean, would you uh, extend the these pre- they come from? Would you extend these preferences then to any member of a minority group? Because typically, like I was saying earlier, Asians no, don't I, get I, preferences. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I, I've seen the the statistics. I mean, it's harder for an Asian uh, to get into most of these Ivy League schools because it's just they they grade them on a different scale, which I don't think is fair. Okay, if you want the best and the brightest, take them, but. Um, I think they can they consider so many factors that don't apply to mm-hmm. you know what your SAT score is, 
I, maybe they should just make it whatever your ACT score is or your SAT score. Right, and just be objective. Yeah. Okay. Th- I, here, see, see here, th- here's what's always bothered me about racial preferences. And we have, I mean, I've always thought the goal of our society was to be a colorblind society. In other words, we're, we're not going to judge somebody based on the color of their, their skin. Now, I understand there's this idea for, for racial diversity, and I don't necessarily think that that's a, a bad sort of thing. But the problem is, if, and this is one of the things that I think will be interesting, and I'd like to see the Justice Department do it, if you are using racial preferences to take kids who are not able to do the work at the exclusion and excluding other kids who are able to do the work, I think that that's, that is a problem. If in the name of having a diverse student body, we are, and it all depends on, again, the factor it becomes, and this is where it gets tricky, how do you weight the racial preference? Weight is in how much weight do you give the racial preference? Because if it's, uh, again, if it's everything being equal, you've got two kids that are absolutely identical, same SAT score for all intents and purposes, or ATC score, ACT score, and the same sort of grade point average. Both of them have activities, and one is black and one is white, um, or one is Hispanic and one is white. And you want to say, okay, well, we, we're trying to up the number of Hispanics we have, and we think it's diversity, all things being equal. Yeah, we're going to give the preference to the Hispanic kid. All right. Well, I understand that because that's what Mike was talking about, being a subjective factor, all things being equal. The problem is almost never are you in a situation where all things are equal. Here's where I think we we miss the whole discussion on racial preferences. To me, it shouldn't be in the college admission process. It should be down at at the secondary education level. I mean, seriously, you don't do anybody. I don't care whether you're white, you're brown, you're black, you're green. You don't do anybody a favor admitting them to a school where they're not going to be able to succeed and do the work, where they're not prepared for it. And if, in fact, and I'm saying if, you are admitting people in the name of diversity who ultimately aren't going to be able to do the work, that, that's that's wrong. First of all, you're taking spaces away from people who would, in fact, be able to do the work. And secondly, you're just setting up people to fail. I think the more important thing is figure out why it is that you need to do the racial preferences. Why is it that the reading rate or the test scores might be lower among this group or that group or whatever? And let's figure out how to get everybody more prepared for college so you don't have to do this type of waiting, which may or may not result in, again, we're talking about generalities, um, but may or may not result in some people who objectively aren't, aren't able to do the work at Harvard getting admitted to Harvard in the name of diversity. That's where, again, it becomes the issue. And that's where I, I think racial preferences, again, if everything is equal, yeah, and you're going to treat it as a factor, just like you treat, um, okay, we're giving people credit for being the president of the Glee Club or whatever. All right, that's fine. But the question becomes, how do you weight these different types of things, and how is that impact? And, and candidly, I'd like to see the Justice Department take a look at this, because if we really are trying to move towards a race a colorblind, race-neutral society. How do you say to the the kid who's always had the dream to go to Yale, 
uh, who has the four-point score, has the high score on the SAT, but doesn't get in because somebody who has objectively lower numbers and lower test scores and lower GPA gets in merely because of the color of their skin. That's what the battle is. And so I think to the extent it is difficult to figure out how much is weighted, I mean, I, I think it's at least a fair inquiry for the Justice Department to do. That's uh, big story number two. I will tell you, heads are exploding, though, all across the country. Coming up, big story number three, Foxconn fever. Should we continue to catch it? 923, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 926, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, the story that we're going to be watching all day is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which opened up above 22,000 for the first time in, in history. Um, it, it's now it's still up for the day, but now it's down twenty one thousand nine hundred and ninety. Um, it, so it's flirting with twenty two thousand. It's more of a psychological thing than anything else. But we will continue to watch it and see where it finishes. Okay, our text line exploded with that different discussion. Let's see. Um, Beth writes texts. There are better ways to decide in your example. Um, that is as points to giving credit for, for race. Flip a coin. Alphabetical order. People of color wanted to be treated equally, and rightly so. Keep race out of it. Andy, with an I in Waukesha, writes, No way. It would be nice if sex wouldn't be one either. I'm certain it's possible to apply online and be given a number to follow you through your out, throughout your application process. Schools can look at the applicant's school performance, including class rank, participation in school and volunteer activities, and basically close their eye to the color of someone's skin, their gender, etc. What an interesting notation. When, when you apply, you apply blindly, you're given a number, and then you just put down all your qualifications, your credentials, and you are matched against other numbers. Now, that would be interesting. That would be completely and totally race neutral. When I was in law school, they, you, you, that, that's how you took tests. You, you didn't write your name on the test. You were assigned a number. And the professors who were grading the tests and giving you the grades, they, they didn't know what the numbers were. And the law school exams are essays and stuff, so they're very subjective. The professors, they didn't know who the students were. So, I mean, they your grade on your test was your grade on your test. And I think that there was some sort of, like, fudge factor that they had where they could, you know, give you a couple extra points or something for class participation. But, but in general, when they were grading tests and they were making their grading decisions, the vast majority of it was blind. You just didn't know who people were. Uh, interesting. Um interesting concept um let's see we have uh, sandy she writes um it has been known for a long time that a white male has the least chance of getting accepted into any school college or university with all things being equal or even test scores being higher it's time reverse discrimination comes to an end that's sandy and she says she's the grandmother of a new college freshman again i i just think i think that these different universities need to be and there needs to be some sort of consistency. And if we want to have a race-neutral, colorblind society, don't we need to have a race-neutral, colorblind society? Just saying. All right, big thing number three, Foxconn in the news again. 
The debate on Foxconn has now switched to the state legislature, which has been called into special session and will be voting on the, the package of incentives that are going to be coming out over the course of you know the next few weeks. The plan is hopefully to get the package done within the next couple weeks. The Legislative Fiscal Bureau apparently already has completed its policy analysis, but they don't have a full fiscal analysis yet. Um, Republican lawmakers and Democratic lawmakers are, are now seeing this. The governor says, hey, before I was governor, the Democrats, when they controlled the legislature, pushed through the biggest tax increase in history of the state in less than 48 hours without a public hearing. He says we're having public hearings. Matter of fact, there's a public hearing, I believe, tomorrow on this. He said, I I think two or three weeks is enough time for people to see this and get it done. But it's also important to keep this process moving because if we're going to do this, We need to get it done as soon as possible. We need to get shovels in the ground. We need to get the money starting to be spent. So the governor's saying, I think a few weeks is enough time. Environmentalists, oh, this is going to be terrible. You know, we need to delay this. A lot of the Scott Walker haters out there who don't want to see this go through because they think he's going to get credit for it, they want to see it delayed. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think... With legislators working hard on this, I, I think I think a month is a reasonable amount of time to get this reviewed and to get a package done. Is that unreasonable? 414-799-1620. Because the truth of the matter is, every day that you delay is a day that keeps Foxconn from breaking ground on this facility, wherever the ground is ultimately going to be. I think a month should be enough to review it, have public hearings, but make this a priority. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss next. It's 935. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Why is it that the State Senate and State Assembly can't agree on what to take up first, the state budget or the Foxconn incentive package? Scafidi and Billstad explore the possibility of addressing both at the same time. Heaven forbid. That's today at 135 here on WTMJ. This is big story number three, and we're talking about a related issue. Um, the governor wants to get the Foxconn incentive package on the fast track. Uh, There are some legislators who are trying to put the brakes on it, some, I think, because it's a politically motivated decision and they don't want to see the governor get credit for this, others because they are legitimately concerned about, okay, what, what is the economic impact here? I don't see any reason why this cannot be done within the next month or so. And I believe it is important to get done as soon as possible, because if it's going to happen, every day that you delay is a day that stops us from breaking ground. It's a day that stops us from being able to start hiring people. It's a day that delays economic growth. Bob in Germantown. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Jeff, you know what this is all about. This is Robin Voss trying to flex his muscles, trying to make sure that everybody knows that he's he's a head honcho and he wants to get back at Walker over the transportation and the tax deal because Walker wouldn't raise taxes. Kudos to Walker mm-hmm. standing up for boss and raising any taxes. Now is not the time to raise taxes. This is a major development. Are you kidding me? This should be this should have the shovels in the ground already. <laughs> yeah. Well I, thanks for now in, in fairness, 
Okay, and I have been critical of Majority Leader Robin Voss in the State Assembly for exactly what you've talked about, Bob, that his uh, – we should have had a budget – we should have had a budget back in July when it was initially due. Um, and, and it's, to me, the state assembly has been the obstructionist. Now, that that's moving away from that now. Um, but, but again, initially the insistence that we were going to tax, 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 something that the state senate wasn't going to do and something that the governor wasn't going to do, that, that I think was largely responsible for the delay. Although, I think now the state assembly... It's kind of they've had this sort of come to Jesus moment and and they're moving away from that. In fairness, though, on the Foxconn issue, it's the assembly that has this fast track. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, part of it is a lot of the assembly Republicans, including Robin Voss, this, this is going to be in their districts. I mean, that, that's, that's why if you wonder why some of the leadership in the assembly that come from southeastern Wisconsin have been pushing so hard on transportation, yeah, it's because, hey, you, you continue to build I-94 down in Racine and Kenosha counties. That benefits them. It is the assembly that's got this on the fast track. Matter of fact, I'm looking at a number of the stories, and the assembly is saying, hey, there's no reason why we can't finish this by mid-August. Surprisingly, it was the head of the state senate who said, well, I'm not sure we want to go this fast. You know, maybe maybe we should take up the, the budget first. Now, I agree with the tease that I just read from Scafidi and Billstat where they're asking this question, why, why can't you do both? Why does this have to be an either-or sort of thing? It's kind of like, I don't know, think about your own life. You've got, let's say at work. You've got two really, really big projects that are going on, and they're just they're going on at, at the same time. Let's say you're an architect, and you've got two assignments. You've got to you know do a design for a museum, and you got to do a design for a post office building. I actually have a very good friend who designs does the architecture work on post offices. It's kind of an interesting job. But okay, so let's say that's it. So what do you do? Both of the deadlines are, are coming up. What you do is you just work harder. Maybe it means that you've got to work some overtime. Maybe it means that you have to stay late. Maybe it means that you have to, heaven forbid, actually work a Saturday or something like that. You just work harder to get it done. I guess I just don't see this as being an either-or sort of thing. The budget should have been done in July, and I am by no means at all saying that you should stop doing the work on the budget. Budget should have been finished several weeks ago, and it is an embarrassment that it isn't. But this Foxconn thing is a big, big deal. It should be given a top priority. Um, If the DNR needs to review things, this to me is one where it's like all hands on deck. Let's stop whatever else we're doing. If there's other things that don't have this degree of urgency, that it doesn't matter whether you do it this month or next month, fine. You push those projects off. You come back to those. This is a game changer, in my opinion, and it's a big deal. Again, if, if everybody is doing their job, if everybody is working in the direction that they are working, if everybody does that, there's no reason in my mind why this shouldn't be completed. I don't know. It's already what? This is August 2nd. I don't know that you can get it done in two weeks, but there's no reason. There is no reason by Labor Day that this package can't be ready. You can't have public hearings on it, and it can't be voted on. And for the people on the left out there that are, again, raising all these issues, I think the governor makes a very, very good point. Um, back before he took over, you had the largest tax increase in the history of the state passed on essentially a 48-hour discussion. Hmm. Foxconn's got to get going, and the legislature has to get going along with it. I am just saying. All right, coming up next, I'm sorry, I love my job. 
but they're not going to implant anything in my body. How about you? We discuss. It's 941. It's 943, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in about 25 minutes, is it time to stop calling illegal aliens illegal aliens? At least one liberal thinks so. We will discuss. Hey, just a couple thoughts. Our text line sort of exploded on the Foxconn issue as well. Dan writes, I predict a series of Democratic amendments on trendy topics, environmental issues, hiring carve-out, bathroom issues, etc. Yeah, you'll, you'll get them, but that doesn't mean it can't get done. Ray Illinois writes, um, I've got a radical concept for these politicians. Do it. Everybody else, what everybody else in other businesses do, multitask. Yeah, that was the point Steve Scafidi was making about this. All right, I, I understand the budget's a big deal. You've been working on that for months. It is a month that is apparently getting closer. Yeah, you, you can, you can actually do th- two things. And, and maybe you gotta work late. Maybe you gotta go to eight or nine o'clock in the evening. Maybe you gotta come in on a Saturday. All those different types of things. But you gotta get this thing done. It is a priority. And like I say, every day that you delay, assuming it's gonna get done, assuming that, and it will be, it will be, every day you delay is a day away that delays economic development. The U.S. Senate is giving up some of their summer recess due to a heavy workload in D.C., so why is the House of Representatives already on their five-week vacation? John McCure asks that of Representative Glenn Grothman, 420 Today, during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Be sure to check that out. And a quick reminder, State Fair starts tomorrow. And at least in recent memory, we're going to have more live programming from State Fair than we have had in a number of years. Um, our coverage from the State Fair, we begin broadcasting. I'm out there, 8.30 tomorrow morning. My show will originate from there. Scafidi and Bill Stat, Wisconsin's Afternoon News, and various sports centers, centrals on the evening where we have, on the evenings where we have Sports Central, all from the State Fair. Um, we all love it out there. I especially do. I come out during the breaks and say hi. So if you're out at the State Fair, be sure to stop by our our broadcast facility. We call it the Fishbowl and say hello. All right. As I said leading into this, I, I, I enjoy my job. I, I do. And I have a loyalty towards this company. They've been very good to me over over the years. But there are limits as to what I am willing to do. Now, this story, it broke a couple weeks ago, but there is a new development because yesterday was the day. There's this company out in River Falls, you know, northwest part of the the state. And um, the place is called, it's Three Square Market. It's a firm that makes cafeteria kiosks aimed at replacing vending machines. And this was the company where the, the boss said, here's what we're going to do. We are going to give our employees the option to get microchipped, to have a chip implanted in their hand. And what this chip will do is it will essentially replace card keys. For example, around my neck, I right now I have a I have a I have a band around my neck, a lanyard around my neck, and I have the uh, and I have my like ID card with it. And I need this to get into the parking lot and I need it to get into the building and I need it to get in the studio and I just keep it with me some I wear mine around my neck some people have it in their belts whatever so this would eliminate the need for that you don't need your card key anymore 
All you would have to do is hold your hand up to whatever would be the card reader, and it will pick up the microchip there, and it's fine. You also apparently don't need cash at the company cafeteria anymore. All you do is you just hold up your hand, it reads the chip, and it charges your account for the food you want. They say it is not a GPS device. So in other words, they say they cannot use this particular chip to track your activities other than the fact that they can track, you know, when you use, again, the the entrance and exit things. You know, whenever you hold it up, they can tell when you did that. But it's no different than if you use the card key. I come in this morning at 730 or whatever. Um, somewhere it records that I used my card key to open the um, the parking lot uh, gate. So it, it they say it's not any more intrusive than the card keys. It was not mandatory that employees do this. However, um, yesterday they apparently had this event. Some 40 workers at the company yesterday afternoon gathered in the cafeteria and they got chipped. Um, the process, they say, takes about a minute. Um, they have a they bring in a local tattoo artist um, who then cleans the skin, finds a spot in the hand to pit, pinch, asks the employee to inhale and exhale, and then they insert a syringe, install the chip, which is about the size of a grain of rice, and then place a Band-Aid over the spot. Um, one of the people that had it done says the pinch hurt more than the injection. It stung for about an hour and a half afterwards, but now it is getting back to normal. And you had 40 employees who did this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am all in favor of convenience, and I understand that there are people who forget their wallets, forget to bring money um, so they can buy stuff at the cafeteria, and annoyingly forget or lose their card keys. So you get to work, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning. I can't get in the building because I have forgotten my card key. What do I do now? So I understand there are some people that do that. And I also appreciate that technology is developing to the point that every time you go on the computer now, there are people who track your activities and they can tell what you buy and you know what sort of shows you go to and they can market to you. I get all that. But you know what? Even if having a couple weeks to think about this, there is no way in God's green earth that I would allow my employer to install a chip in my hand so that, uh, again, the argument would be convenience. I mean, I just, there's something that is big brother about it. And I understand they say it doesn't have a GPS element to it and they can't track you. And I don't mean to be one of these conspiracy theorists. And maybe I'm just old-fashioned. And maybe 10 years from now, this is going to be the wave of the future. And everybody is going to have a chip. And that chip is going to be used for everything from getting money out of the ATM machine to uh, proving who you are when you try to fly on a plane. I'm not ready for it, and I'm not doing it. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the wave of the future? If your employer asked you to do this or gave you the option to do it, would you sign up? For me, it's not just no, but it's heck no. We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. It's 951. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine fifty four, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Okay, if your employer gave you the option, would you get chipped? Um, 
Uh, not happening with me. Dick in Oakfield. Dick, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, very interesting topic. Um, I just think, well, what if somebody would carjack you on the way to work and take your card and then have access to all of WTMJ? Whereas if you had the chip, they have to cut your hand off to do right. the same thing. Right. Right. So, I mean, you're right. Theoretically, right. If somebody, somebody gets my card key... And I don't immediately report it. Now, if, uh, typically what you're supposed to do is you report it as stolen or po- report it as lost, and they cancel it and issue you another one. But you're right. Somebody takes this, and I don't um, I don't report it right away. Just like if somebody steals my credit cards and I don't report it right away, um, somebody may be able to make fa- false charges. At the same time, um, isn't this a little bit big brother for you? Well, in a way, but the other way I look at it, too, is if you aren't doing anything wrong, what's what's the problem with it? I mean, it's got advantages. Let's say it can detect a medical emergency, a heart attack, a stroke, something like that, where you can't respond, but this uh, device mm-hmm. can uh, save your life. Well, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure... I'm not sure this does that. I mean, I, I think this, right now, it's just, my understanding is that this is a chip. It's, there's not a GPS component to it. It's it's not a biometric measure. At least that's my understanding. It's just, hey, th- this replaces your card key. It works with the door system. It also works, again, with the cafeteria system. And look, I understand. This is, is going to be the wave of the future. I mean, this is, to me, this is the first step. I won't be surprised if 10 or 20 years from now, 10 or 20 years from now, maybe not even 20 years from now, I won't be surprised if there's more and more of this stuff going on, that, that you, don't, you, you don't carry a bank card anymore. You don't carry a credit card anymore. You don't carry card keys. We all get these chips implanted in us, and you just wave your hand, and that's how you want $400 out of the ATM machine. You go, you, you wave your hand. Forget about having to insert the card. You, you want to buy gas at the you know quick trip? Okay, you don't have to insert your credit card. You just wave your hand. I know that sounds spooky but i really do think it's the wave of the future and i've never candidly been an early adopter on these things and i'm probably not going to be an early adopter on that but at this point in time i guess and look i trust my employers i it's not one of these things but i just the the convenience of not having to wear this card key around my neck i don't know is is that convenience is grossly outweighed by having my employer implanting a chip in my hand. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. You know, maybe I've watched too many Twilight Zone <laughs> and Star Trek, but to me, this this is not going to end up with all the positive things that they say, but I'm sure there's a bunch of negative things that are, are, are probably goes along with it. We've talked about the computer, you know, the, the good that the computer has done, you know, for everyone. But the fact is, there are people hacking into companies and things of that sort, right. and, 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 and extortion is going on. I don't want anybody tracking me, you know. And, 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 and at some right. point, that's going to happen. They're going to the, the, the employer is going to start tracking you everywhere you go, right? You know, uh, whether you, whether you're here or there. And so, I just think it's a huge slippery slope when you start implanting stuff stuff in your body, right? Yeah, and because the justification is going to be the same. Hey, this is a convenience when you're at work. 
You know, we have every right to know where you are, but don't worry. We're, we're not going to use the GPS after you clock off. Well, okay, you know, I, I don't know. We're, we want to see how long those bathroom breaks are, you know, all those different yeah. things. And, yeah. And, and, and it's just, and, and, and so many things that can be done. Somebody can, you know, they can monitor, monitor health, but also they, if they monitor health, they also can put something uh, Adversely affect your health by putting some virus in it. So it 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 is to me it just too too much of a slippery slope. And and like you said, it's too much big brother. Yeah, it it just I mean thanks for calling us. And and maybe look, and I I understand this convenience argument, and that's why I am saying that I could easily see a time where where this becomes the norm. Ten twenty years from now, you you don't you don't need to have a social security card anymore. That that's implanted. And look, I'm the first one to take when, when I got my dog. Right. One of the first things we had done is we we had her chipped. I mean, she she has she has a microchip that's implanted. I think it's in her shoulder so that if she's ever lost, you know, yes, yes, she's got tags. But, you know, she's, she's got tag after tag after tag. But but she's also got that chip because, I mean, the tags could come off theoretically. So if, if she ever gets lost and somebody finds her, you know, you can take her to the main society or wherever. And, and that that chip is going to be there and it's going to identify who her owner is. So, I mean, I, I'm using it. I am using it to help me find my dog if she ever gets lost. Lord forbid. But. All right, just because I'm using it to help me find my dog if she ever gets lost doesn't mean that I want to have it in my hand. Just saying. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, is the term illegal aliens offensive? Some are suggesting yes. Stick around. It's 9.59. It's 10.09, Jeff Wagner, 6.20. So much. You've been filling in for our friend and colleague Jane Matinair while she's on vacation. I've been trying. No, no, you've, you've, been, you've been doing an admirable job. I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering... How long you're going to have to continue doing this? Because I, I don't know if people know where Jane went. I don't know if she talked about it, but she's um, her and her husband are they're visiting an, a, a Greek isle, and yes. I forget which one. She told me, and I, I forget which one it is. But it's been interesting because the day she got to this Greek isle, one of the Greek isles, not the one that she was at, was hit by this massive earthquake. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, that's you know, Janie goes on vacation, and it's okay. There's this massive earthquake, but I don't it. it I don't know if it impacted where she was, but it wasn't directly on the one that she was on a different island than that. Um, so, but on on top of that, now there's another issue with, with Greek isles that that might delay returns. One of my favorite stories of the day: tourists stranded. On the Greek Isle of Zante, otherwise known as Zakonos. Zakonos. Did you see the story as to why they're stranded? I have not. Because turtles are getting it on. Yes. Yes, they are stranded. My favorite story of the day. They're stuck on this Greek Isle because, and again, I don't think this is the one that Jane is on, but they're stuck on this Greek Isle because of mating turtles. Here, here, here's what happens. There's this uh, – the way you get off this Greek Isle and you get to it is – I guess you can cruise to it, but typically you fly. You know, So there's like various flights that go out like once or twice a day from this Greek Isle. They go to London and then you go somewhere else. Well, what's happened is there's, this, this, there's, there's one company that runs the flights, and they've got a plane that goes back and forth. Um, it's EasyJet is the name of the airline. And so the other day – there's all these people that get on the plane, and they're getting ready to fly, and all of a sudden there's a problem with one of the wings. So, I mean, you don't want to be taken off if there's a problem with one of the wings. So they make all the people get off the plane, and they try to fix the plane, and, and they can't get the wing fixed. So you've got all these people that are trying to leave. 
Well, what happens is they say, okay, well, well, we'll send another plane to come pick them up. However, this is apparently mating season for um, various types of turtles. And what ends up happening is these are loggerhead turtles. And loggerhead turtles breed. They mate at night on the beach. And so there, there is a rule that says you can't fly over the beach. And you have to kind of fly over the beach, I guess, to get to wherever the airport is to land. So you can't fly planes over the beach during the evening hours because it will disturb the mating loggerhead turtles. So um, the result is that some of these tourists have, as it's worked out, they've been stuck for a couple days while they try to figure out a way to get the flights Get the flights there during, get the replacement plane during the day. Can you imagine making this phone call to your boss? You're on a week vacation or two-week vacation, and you're not going to be able to get back, and you call up and say, boss, I'm sorry, I know I'm supposed to be back Monday. It's just, it's not going to happen. I'm stuck on this island. There's a problem with the plane. Well, you know, what do you mean there's a problem with the plane? Well, all right, the the wing isn't working, and and they've got turtles that are getting it on, and they can't get the plane in to to get, they can't get a new plane to get me off. So get me off the island. You kind of wonder, you know, what, what else do we do for the turtles? We don't want the airlines disturbing them. We don't want the jets disturbing them. Don't want the planes disturbing them. Do you put on, like, very white music or something like that? Just just saying. Loggerhead turtles. All right. There's two stories that are either, well, it is either political correctness run amok or another example of insensitivity on the part of the Trump administration. Let me uh, let me start this off. And I can say this because even though my last name is Wagner, my mother was all Irish. Her maiden name was Sheehan. Um, I think her dad, I think, was second-generation Irish. But all, So I am 100% Irish on my mom's side. So I, I believe I can offer this, this thought. There was a story in the Washington Post yesterday written by somebody named James Mulvaney, an adjutant, an adjunct professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, who is irate that in this speech that President Trump gave to law enforcement people a couple days ago, he used the term paddy, P-A-D-D-Y, paddy wagon. He apparently said... Um, Something. I mean, this was also the same speech where he said, you know, if you want to be rough with suspects, be rough with them. But during his speech, you know, he described um, police rounding up gang members into a paddy wagon. So this guy, and I'm looking at it, it's an extensive story in the Washington Post, how he talks about how this should be, every person of Irish descent should be offended by this, because, of course, you've got this history of that paddy wagons means rounds up, rounding up the Irish and putting them in. Um, Of course, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I've Been to the Mountaintop speech specifically refers to paddy wagons. Um, it's very unclear whether in modern usage that is something that anybody interprets as a slur on the Irish. I will say this as somebody who is 100% Irish on my mother's side. Um, I am not offended by this term, but I understand that there are those out there who are politically correct for whom will wake up. They will wake up every day and they will try to find things that they can be offended by and so people are offended by oh it's it's a it's a slur on the irish i i don't think most people do and like i say with my irish heritage i'm I'm not offended by the president using that reference i don't think people in modern society automatically assume that oh that's a reference to okay just locking up all the irish all right so you've got that 
Then you have someone else upset, a number of people, including a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, who are irate that the Department of Justice is using the term illegal alien. Now, back in the Obama era, back in the Obama era, they did away with the term illegal alien. The Obama era and during the Obama years, they never referred to people who are in this country illegally as illegal aliens. They were referred to as undocumented, unauthorized um, migrants, things like that. They didn't use the term illegal alien. A couple weeks ago, uh, the Department of Justice announcing this crackdown on, on sanctuary cities, they put out a statement that this is what it said. So-called sanctuary policies make all of us less safe because they intentionally undermine our laws and protect illegal aliens who have committed crimes. So, I mean, they, under the Trump administration and under the current Justice Department, they go back to using the phrase illegal alien. Um, The Chicago Tribune has a reporter who writes a piece talking about how uh, offensive that they find this particular term. Um, The columnist, it's Ted Slowick, loaded illegal alien phrase introduced in sanctuary city crackdown. In a words matter, in a democracy that values the rule of law, word choice is important, especially when those words come from voices of authority. A not-so-subtle shift in word choice by the U.S. Department of Justice this week has gone largely unnoticed. I'd like to call their attention to it. I think it's another sign of how quickly a new normal is taking hold, regardless of foundation in facts or laws. Um, and then it goes on to say how they are now using the phrase illegal alien. I thought, this is the columnist, I thought it was odd that the nation's top law enforcement agent repeatedly use a phrase that is loaded with implied guilt. For years, government officials, attorneys, media, and others have avoided using the phrase, or at least acknowledged its implications, and used wording like undocumented or unauthorized instead. Why does this matter? The phrase illegal alien plays into assumptions that immigrants living in this country without proper documentation are criminals. In fact, immigration status is often a civil matter, not a criminal one. I think this cuts to the heart of the debate over sanctuary cities and to what extent local law enforcement should cooperate with immigration authorities, um, etc., etc., etc. All right. Lefty heads are exploding all over this country over the fact that the Trump administration, through their Department of Justice, is now using the phrase illegal alien, a phrase, by the way, which I never stopped using. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this offensive or is it accurate? Are the people who object to this, do they have a legitimate reason? Is this another example of the Trump administration's insensitivity or... Is the fact that somebody is a foreigner, making them an alien, who has entered the country or is in this country illegally, does that make them an illegal alien? Should we get rid of this term? Is it offensive? Is it inaccurate? Or is this political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you can't figure this out, I, I vote for political correctness run amok. 
We'll discuss next. Are you offended by this term? Should Jeff Sessions not have used the term? Is this a throwback to the bad old days? Or is it simply an accurate recitation of what is going on? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1019. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1022, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This week, WTMJ.com is featuring stories, exclusive audio, photo galleries, and much more as we reflect on five years since the Sikh Temple shooting. It all leads up to Sunday night's special Oak Creek five years later, beginning at 8 p.m. Sunday, right here on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, be sure to check that out. All right, there is there is all sorts of outrage now over the fact that uh, the Attorney General of the United States, in announcing a crackdown on sanctuary cities said, all right, we're, we're, going, we're going after places that harbor illegal aliens. All right, now this has many on the left, including a Chicago Tribune columnist, absolutely en fuego. Their heads are exploding over the notion that we are using the term illegal alien. During the Obama, now that's a common phrase that was used. During the Obama administration, it fell into disfavor because President Obama didn't want to offend anybody. So now we refer to people who are aliens who are in this country illegally as undocumented or or migrants. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's the bottom line of this. Wagner's rule of life, number one, life is tough, get a helmet. The people who are offended by an accurate description of legal or illegal status of people shouldn't be whining about the term. I mean, here's here's the way it works. Alien is a term used by the federal government for decades and decades and decades to designate a person who is in the United States from a foreign country. And it doesn't matter what that country in is. It doesn't matter how you enter the country. If you've come in... You're here from France, you're here from Spain, doesn't matter, you're here from Great Britain, you are in the eyes of the law. The government says you you are what is considered to be an alien, not somebody from Mars, not somebody from Venus, but somebody from a different country. That's what it means. You are an alien. The Eternal Revenue Service says, uh, again, an alien is an individual who's not a U.S. citizen or a U.S. natural. Um, All right. So then the question becomes illegal. Illegal alien, what does that mean? Well, here's what the IRS says. An illegal alien is an alien, somebody who has come in from another country, who has entered the U.S. illegally and is deportable if apprehended, or an alien who has entered the U.S. legally but has now fallen out of status and is deportable. Those are the definitions that the government has for this. It doesn't mean... That if you are, it says an illegal alien, doesn't say that you are necessarily a criminal in and of itself, other than that you are somebody who is in the United States illegally, period. And if you are in the United States illegally, you are, by definition, an illegal alien. Now, some people can object and say, oh, this is a loaded term and we're offended by this stuff. But the truth is what the truth is. And this idea that, this idea that, oh, people are going to be offended and we have to avoid offending people who are in this country illegally, it might hurt their feelings. Well, give me a break. 
mean, it is what it is. And I always thought that this was political correctness run amok when the Obama administration decided, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to offend some of these groups who believe that we should have open borders or that we shouldn't deport you deporting anybody. Um, but the truth is what the truth is. An alien is somebody from another country, somebody who is an alien from another country um, who is in this country illegally is, by definition, an illegal alien, period. Case closed. And if it means that some people are offended by it, look, I'm, I'm sorry. All right? I'm sorry if you're offended by it. I'm sorry if you're somebody who's offended by the phrase paddy wagon. You know, but there's real issues that are out there, and it just seems to me that sometimes words do matter. I appreciate that. But sometimes if words originate in truth, well, all right, that's that's where these come from. And to rip on the Trump administration or the Justice Department because they are now using a phrase that is a common phrase that many people continue to use and use appropriately, well, it's just beyond me. It's 1026. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1028, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Hey, for everybody that's uh, turning cartwheels over the fact that they couldn't repeal and replace Obamacare, story in the Chicago Tribune this morning. Insurers in Illinois. Now, Illinois is just a stone-cold mess. You know, Illinois, in general, it's a hot mess. Um, Insurers in Illinois proposed a 43% price increase for plans sold under the Affordable Care Act, that is Obamacare, in 2018. Health insurers want to raise premiums next year for Illinois consumers who buy coverage through the Obamacare exchange. Um, Average rate increases for individual plans in Illinois could range from 5% to 43%, depending on a number of factors, including the type of coverage, etc., etc., that they are talking about. Um, All three of the insurers that offered plans on the exchange in Cook County this year are promising increases for next year. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is proposing average increases of 38.2% for its uh, HMO plan, 14.5% for its other HMO plan, and a little bit less for others. These plans cover nearly 310,000 people in Illinois. Insurers cited, among other issues, increasing medical and prescription drug costs as reasons for the increases. So, again, it's frustrating to me that we couldn't get repeal and replace done. I understand all that, and I share the, the aggravation. I don't think we needed, as I've argued repeatedly, to blow up the health care system in the entirety. You could have dealt with the issue we had with however many people, million people there were that were uninsured and the pre-existing illness issue. You could have dealt with that without blowing up the entire system. Um, but. But we blew up the entire system, and now it's very, very difficult to go back. But for people who think, oh, Obamacare is working great, well, talk to the folks who don't have insurance plans offered to them at all, or the folks in Illinois who get their insurance through Obamacare and Blue Cross Blue Shield who are looking at up to 43% increases in their premiums. Wow. All right. When we come back. Another day, another deadly hit and run in the city of Milwaukee. When will the madness stop? It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. What are the fundamental principles behind job creation or economic development in the state of Wisconsin? Scafidi and Billstead, they know. 
and they share the answer and address those in opposition to the core elements. That's 1235 this afternoon right here on 620 WTMJ. Be sure to tune in. All right. If you are a regular listener, you you know that um, one of – I get up on my soapbox about this, but it's the the incredible senselessness – of crime in the city of Milwaukee that is now spreading to the suburbs, and also just the dangerousness of being on the street. I mean, a few weeks ago, I told the story about how I, I was driving out Silver Spring, and it was a Saturday night, and I was going from the North Shore out to my brother lives in Pewaukee. So I, I'm driving out along Silver Spring at 7 o'clock at night, and I swear to God, you are taking your life into your own hands. It's 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. There's people driving 85 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic, driving in the parking lanes. There's people blowing through red lights. I, I was at 92nd and Silver Spring. I am stopped at a red light. Honest to God story. There's a car next to me tinted windows, the whole thing, that is stopped at the red light next to me. So we're, we're stopped at the red light, and I'm waiting for the light to change. The guy next to me, or guy, I'm assuming it's a guy, could have been a gal, the vehicle next to me, just all of a sudden floors it. And, you know, zero to 60 and how fast, just blows through the red light. There was a pedestrian that's walking across the street that would have been walking south to north because um, we were going west on Silver Spring. The guy sitting next to me just, I mean, he knew it was a red light. He was stopped. He just hits the gas, goes through, cuts off a car that was, again, going northbound, damn near hits this pedestrian who's walking with the light and just drives off at a high rate of speed. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like the wild, wild west out here. You really take, and I mean, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. If you drive around the city, you see this on a regular basis. I I always tell the story. When I I come to work, there's a particular route I take, and I'm coming southbound on a less-traveled street, crossing a more significant street. And there's a light. It's a controlled intersection. So, I mean, I have learned that when I, so I'm heading southbound, I'm, again, on the less-traveled street. You stop at the light. I have learned that when the light turns green, you can't just go. You have to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, because if you don't, you are going to get smashed in the side by some car driving 80 miles an hour going through the red light. Now, maybe maybe at three blocks down, they saw it was yellow and they decided to gun it. But you just learned you can't go when the light turns green anymore because there's going to be some Yahoo that blows through this. All right. The other problem is, in addition to the reckless and irresponsible driving, you have people who take no responsibility for their conduct. It seems to me on an almost daily basis. We will have a story of a hit and run. There's a hit and run. And a lot of times, a lot of times it involves property damage or it involves injuries. Somebody hits another car, they take off. And, of course, we know there's a lot of reasons for it. Cars might be stolen. The Milwaukee Police Department doesn't chase um, as a general rule, Ed Flynn refuses to do that. The bad guys know about it. The word has gotten out. You can drive irresponsibly and just you know, make obscene gestures towards the cops, drive off, and they won't follow you because Ed Flynn tells them not to. But in some cases, you've got these hit-and-run incidents. Um, and this is a story. It just kind of it went right through me. Um, happened the other day, Capitol Drive. And, again, this is... I I used to. I don't take this route that much. But what happened is, um, you know, the other night, 
there is a a 63-year-old man who is biking across Capitol Drive around 1130 at night. He is riding with with the light. Um, a westbound driver, and he's in the intersection. It's around, it's it's around like 62nd and Capitol out there. Um, the man, 63 year old man, biking across Capitol around 11:30. He's 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 got the right of way. A westbound driver swerves around him, and there's a surveillance video from a local business that kind of shows what happened. A westbound driver swerves around the guy on the bike. An eastbound vehicle hits him head on. All right. You hit the bicyclist head on. Now, I can't quite tell, in all honesty, I can't quite tell from the angle and the descriptions that I've seen whether or not whether or not the hit and run driver, at least as far as the collision, was in the wrong. I, I can't. I, I can't tell that. I mean, some, and what do you mean, Jeff? Well, you, you hit somebody. You know. Well, I mean, sometimes there's what we in the law, what they call like dart outs. I mean, the kid, you're driving down the street. You're doing everything right. You're going the speed limit, and some child runs out from between two cars. They dart out, and you hit the child. You know, it, it doesn't – every time that there is a fatality, it doesn't mean um, that that the driver is automatically at fault. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. I can't tell from the descriptions in the video I've seen whether or not the driver that hit the car was was in the wrong. Sometimes there's just stuff that happens that you can't you just can't avoid and it's not necessarily your fault. And I, I can't tell that. I'm not judging that one way or the other. But what happens is after the driver of the vehicle hits the man on the bicycle, and I'm sorry. You hit a guy on a bicycle, you know you've done it. This isn't something like, gee, I heard this, you know, like banging on the back, uh, the, the back of the car. I, I didn't realize that I had hit that, you know, dog or whatever. This is, they hit, they hit the bicycle. The driver of the vehicle drives off. So, you know, it, it's a, it's again, it, it's a hit and run. They, they take off, leaving the man dead. And so now the authorities are, are looking at the guy. It's a, Dark four-door, a four-door dark-colored car took off. Police are after the person, and then the the family members of the man who died are saying, you know, we, we need some closure. But but here you have another one of these situations where somebody is hit, in this case, killed. Maybe the driver, maybe the driver couldn't have done anything. I don't know. Not prejudging that, but I do know that what happened is the driver drove off. Now, my experience has been the reason most people drive off under these circumstances is that they're drunk. Now, I'm not saying that was this case, but most times the people have been drinking, they drive off, and they're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm drunk, um, I'll sober up. If they catch me, they won't be able to prove that I'm drunk, that type of stuff. Um, sometimes there's other reasons as well. But in general, there, there is a reason. Maybe it's a stolen car. Maybe they think they're going to get away with it, wh- whatever. There's in general a reason to do this. But here you have another one of these situations where you have somebody dead because you had a driver who was irresponsible to the point that, well, okay, they weren't at least going to stop and render aid. Now, again, I don't know why they made that decision to do it, but they hit and killed a man on a bicycle and then drove off. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, what frustrates me about this is a lot of times when, when we discuss topics on this show, I, I like to at least give you an idea of what I think and what should happen. 
this, this is so frustrating to me because the driving around here is so out of control. It's almost to the point that you wonder if, in, in this case, the guy was a bicyclist. I believe he was doing everything right. He was on the bike at 8, 1130 at night, but there's no law that says you can't be on your bike at 1130 at night as long as you're appropriately visible. It's just getting to one of these points that there are areas, particularly in the city of Milwaukee, where it's, you know, you take your life in your hands if you try to drive through them. You take your life in your hands if you try to ride a bike through them. And you take your life in your hands if you try to walk through them. And nothing appears to being done. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When When is this madness going to stop? Dave, downtown. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Oh, it, it, it is epic. I mean, it's it's like Mad Max and the Thunderdome out there. <laughs> it really, I swear to God. I mean, it's just... To the point, it doesn't even matter. You know, late at night during the day. I mean, yeah. I'm actually numb to it because I, I drive pretty much for a living. And just you know, two weeks ago, on my birthday, I saw a guy uh, one o'clock in the afternoon run a red light on 35th Street, T-bone the car, look at his car, all the airbags deployed, gets his car, drives off, and is doing 80 miles an hour down a side street. 80 miles an hour during a oh, side yeah. street. Yeah. I am not, I, am, I, I, I drive for a living. Yeah, and he's going down a street that's probably, oh, just barely enough for two cars. So, I mean, if, if a pedestrian would have walked out, a guy would open his car door, anything, he would have, he would have killed somebody. Right, and, and this goes on on a daily basis. It goes on on an hourly basis. And it, yeah. I, yeah, I think that, honestly, years ago when Doyle, we, 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 everyone had to have mandatory insurance, and they kind of made it, kind of a, a joke to have insurance and you're, you're involved in some type of traffic violation or accident, they tow your car and they put an impound lot, you pay the $200 ticket, they put the car across the street and you get the car back. Right. I'm a Republican, you're a Republican, we have a Republican governor, we have a Republican uh, assembly, and we control both houses and we also control the governor. It's time for the state to make it mandatory before you're even given a license plate or you have a driver's license, you have to produce insurance because yeah. there well, are, right, there are no right, people, right. No, thanks. For, and you're right. And of course, I mean, it's it's a revolving, it's a joke. People people who get their licenses suspended, people who get their licenses revoked, they continue to drive as well, which might have been one of the reasons why. I mean, who knows why this person drove off? Um, but but you have this happen on a regular basis to the point that again you know we were always taught when we got our driver's licenses that you have to practice defensive driving to which I say amen I mean obviously you have to do that but now more so than ever because you just don't know what's going to happen we continue the conversation next if you're on the line please hold on it's ten forty six Jeff Wagner six twenty WTMJ. It's 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Now looking up the Cubs in the standings. What, if anything, can the Brewers do to reclaim the division lead? Greg Matzik has the answer. Win games. How about that? He'll explain tonight at 6.07 during Sports Central. Uh, Sports Central, of course, before the coverage of the Brewers game. All right. Um, it's a horrible story. I mean, I was, man, riding his bicycle, 1130 at night, Capitol Drive, um, 
I he, he doesn't. I don't think he's doing anything wrong. But there's a car that swerves around him. He ends up getting hit by an eastbound car. He's dead. The car drives off. It's another hit and run story. You know, we don't know why the car drove off. We don't know if the person was drunk. We don't know if the car was stolen. We don't know any of that stuff. All we know is a man is dead because he was hit on his bicycle and the driver took off. This this is becoming commonplace in the city of Milwaukee. Let's talk to Jerry in Bayview. Jerry, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to concur totally the examples that you brought up. I drive part-time delivering meds throughout the entire city, and it's not just the south side. It's the north side, both sides. But I see so much. But what I wanted to bring up to you is that the worst one I saw was driving west on Hampton. There was a squad car, one car behind me to the left of me with two officers in the car. We pull up to 60th and Hampton to stop. Two cars are flying south through the intersection, and both officers had to see that like I did. So they obviously they were speeding. Right. So we continue going east on Hampton. The next thing, we, we both flew up to a stop sign. A car to my right in the parking lane just blows the light and makes the right turn, not even slowing down, just flew right through it. They had to have seen it. That was a second thing in less than five <laughs> minutes. Continuing east, there's a car coming towards us heading west on Hampton. It's got a burnt-out light. I'm thinking there's three examples in five minutes, and they didn't uh, make you know any type of stop in any three cars. But there, there are certain streets you want to avoid in the city, whether it's Oklahoma, Greenfield, Capitol's terrible, Hampton's terrible, Silver Spring is bad, 91st huh. Street. And from 2 to 10, you don't want to be out. <laughs> it is, there's you know, no repercussions. No, it, right, ex- exactly. And thanks, and, no, and look, and I, I mean, part of the problem, and, and this goes back to, there, there's a lot of reasons, but this, this goes back to the chase policy. I mean, you know, okay, so the police see the car speeding, all right? And that, that's all you know. The car is speeding away. You, you put on your bubble lights. You try to pull it over. The car drives away. You, Ed Flynn doesn't allow him to chase. I mean, the policy is you've got to let them go unless you believe that the person was involved in some violent crime or something. You just drive off, and, and the, the cops end up knowing it. And I talk to lots of police. It's extremely, extremely frustrating um, because you're going to run from them, and the word is out that you run from the cops. Now, look, law-abiding citizens, if, if, if I make an illegal turn or something, somebody pulls me over, I'm pulling over. I'm showing my license. But but that's not the way it works on the mean streets of the city of Milwaukee. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vito in Brookfield. Vito, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Boy, this is a great topic. Um so I'll make a comment, and then I'll hang up. So I live uh, in Brookfield, and I was working at a manufacturing plant on Cornell, which is just off of Green Bay Road. Sure. So on the way home, I would go westbound on Capitol Drive. There is no exaggeration to my comment. In a span of 15 minutes, I witnessed three accidents, and the shame of it all, I didn't stop as a witness for one. And not only that... Uh, what I saw continually on a daily basis was just an absolute blatant disregard for passing at a high speed yep. in the right lane. And um, yep. two of these accidents that I saw in front of me were a result of, I guess, a term called dipping, where somebody's peeking out of a driveway and the guy that's passing illegally on the right lane mm-hmm. hits the car. Yep. And you, you know what? And, and what... What I feel bad about is that I was brought up to do the right thing. I didn't stop and because you were afraid for your safety or things like that, huh? 
just like that. No, I get so, it. No, I thanks. I I get it. And that that's the that's the thing that's out there. But I mean, it's it is getting to the point. And this is, see, this isn't even broken windows. Broken windows theory of policing is the little things matter. And the idea is if you stop the little things, you deal with the big things. This is not, to me, a little thing. This is a big thing. Cars driving down the wrong way on one-way streets. Cars driving 80 and 90 miles an hour. Cars blowing through red lights. That's a big thing. It affects the quality of life, and it affects, I mean, how, how many more people have to die before we recognize that this has to be a priority and you've got and look I, I mean as far as i'm concerned you know you catch people who are driving without their licenses or revoked licenses or no licenses you take the cars i mean i, I just how we, and oh well then how are they going to get to work well they shouldn't be driving in in the first place i mean at some point in time we've got to wake up to the carnage that is going on you know on around here to the point that, I mean, I, I will tell you, when I travel around, I consciously now think of ways that you can drive that is going to expose you to the least amount of danger. I mean, that that's true. And if, if you're riding on a bicycle, and I, I have criticized people on bicycles from time to time, I always say that the next bicyclist I see that stops at a red light or stop sign will be the first bicyclist I see that stopped at a red light or a stop sign. But, I mean, if you're out on a bicycle, you are extremely exposed, and, and you better be paying a heck of a lot of attention because I'm telling you, if you're walking, if you're on a bike, if you're in a car, there are crazy people out there, and they're getting crazier, and they're getting away with it, which is frustrating. Joe in New Berlin. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is just anecdotal, of course, but that same intersection you talked about at 92nd and Silver right. Spring, I was stopped for a red light and waiting, waiting to turn north on 92nd at that point, and uh, car pulls up next to me, parallel to me, on my right. And when the light changed, this car just suddenly decided at that point in time he wanted to turn left, and he did, right in front of me. Yeah. And of course, I did avoid him and all this and that. Right. But to get on to your story here, this behavior, this my mother is dead over 13 years, so this is at least a 14-year-old story because I was on my way to this nursing home. This behavior is nothing recent. It yeah. has gotten worse, yeah. but that area town, which is why it's economically depressed, people aren't going there, myself included. Yeah, it's well, I mean, th- and it's getting to be more and more like that. Look, I, I grew up around here, and so there were always... There are always areas of the city that you were kind of perhaps reluctant to drive through, especially late at night. Well, forget for that that ex- area is expanding, and forget the late at night. I mean, it it doesn't matter whether it's three at night or three o'clock in the morning. You've got this craziness that is going on, and unfortunately, it is. And this is not a it's not a knock on the police, although I do wonder why there is not more aggressive enforcement because we could go on for an hour people telling stories about bad behavior they've seen and just nothing being done about it a large part of it is in my opinion it is the the no chase policy because they know that you know you blow through a red light you drive 90 miles an hour in the right lane the cops try to pull you over and you drive away and you're not going to be able to follow them i mean that's that is what ed flynn's policy has brought in the city of milwaukee um, and it is contributing in large part. And there's other factors as, as well, including the fact that if they ever do catch people for doing this, it goes into the catch and release Milwaukee County court system. So, 
Uh, who knows? But uh, again, frustrating. My heart goes out to this family that lost the man, hit and run on his bicycle on Capitol Drive. But you know what? I mean, until collectively law-abiding citizens rise up, call their aldermen, demand enough is enough, until the aldermen start pressuring judges when they catch these hit-and-run drivers to send them to prison for long periods of time, until we start doing that, we're going to have more stories like this. It's 957. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1109. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Colleen, do you know that there was a chance that I was going to be here this morning? Yes. A be- chance. Well, a chance. Well, I mean, I guess like it's always a, slim a chance. chance. <laughs> well, um, I'm on jury duty. BD, did you know that? I, I'm on. I'm a. Um, I am a reserve juror. Now, there's two kinds of jury duty. Jury. There's the regular juror where you have to show up. And then there's like the, the backup pool, like the second string. I'm a reserve juror. So, um, like last night. After 5.30, I had to call this number, um, and it tells you whether you have to come in or not, and it, I called the number, and so we, we had a, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, I've been a reserve juror before and never been called down there, so I mean, we were making plans, but we had a fill-in host that was lined up, but I'm on reserve jury duty today and tomorrow, so like at noon, I have to call this number to see if they need me in the afternoon, which I, how, I'm not sure how that works, how would you, mm. people would come down there, but then I think I'm probably going to have to call tonight to see if I, I have to be there tomorrow. My, my guess is probably not. I'm not sure how many trials they would have starting like on a Thursday in the middle of summer, so I, I think it's okay, and and while I'd be delighted to be on a jury, the other reality is no nobody in their right mind, no attorney in their right mind would put me on, on a jury. It's just, it's just <laughs> not going to, it's just not going to happen. I, I fully recognize that, and um, while I personally think I would be a wonderful juror, I understand if I was picking a jury, there's no way in God's green earth that I would put somebody like me on that jury. You for wouldn't. Just a, I wouldn't. Well, you, you, you wouldn't, just for a wide variety of reasons. And so I, I, I don't feel like it's, but, but I mean, again, it's, you know, you have to, um, you have to call down and check that out. So even though I don't think that I am going to be on jury duty tomorrow, and I certainly hope not, not because I have anything against jury duty, but I'm really looking forward to being out there at the first day of the Wisconsin State Fair. And it would be, you know, it, it, I, I just, I would hate to miss the opening day of the fair, but that's a long way of leading into this. Um, regardless, Assuming I'm either going to be on jury duty, probably not, or I'm, I'm going to be out at the state fair tomorrow, which means that a lot of I don't think anybody necessarily knows this, but this is going to be the last time that you and I are together in, in the studio because um, uh, you're you're leaving us. Not today, not tomorrow, but the end of the weekend is your last day, right? That's right. Sunday morning will be my last shift here at WTMJ. One of the things that I, I've always noticed about radio, and I, I did TV for a number of years, and I, I've always said this, people recognize you from TV. Hey, I saw you. You're the guy in the news. But people know you from radio because it's such a personal medium. Um, people are, are so kind and generous. They, they invite us into their homes, into their kitchens, into their cars. It's this one-on-one medium. And one of the things that's always sort of bothered me about this industry is that a lot of times people just come and they're they're on and they're a part of people's lives and you hear the voices and then all of a sudden they're, they're just gone. And, you know, we don't tell people that they're gone. And it's like whatever happened to, you know, fill in the blank. And uh, because this is going to be the last time that at least we're going to work together person to person in the studio, I just uh, I wanted to say how much I have enjoyed working with you and getting to know you. How long have you been here? 
Uh, two years and almost two and a half years. Two years. Um, I just It has been a, a pleasure. You are one of my very favorite people around here, and I'm very much going to miss you. Why are you leaving us? I'm leaving to spend more time with my family. Uh, you know my situation. My husband travels quite a bit, and the as you also know, the hours of radio can be pretty unforgiving or grueling, and we have to be here, and we mm-hmm. love being here. It's a wonderful thing, but right now I think... You know, my kids are 10 and 7, and I think I need to spend a little more time with them right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we are very sorry to see you go. And it's just, um, I, again, I just, I didn't, I, I, I was sitting there thinking, okay, I don't want to let this pass. And I understand you've got a couple more days left, but I didn't want to let it pass. I'm thinking, you know, I, I might get called for jury duty or I might forget it in the hubbub of State Fair. And I just wanted to at least acknowledge that and let everybody know that, um there is probably like, maybe life after WTMJ, but I mean it's it's just a um, it, it's just a situation where because of just family circumstances you want to you want to be mom yeah you want to be mom I do I do but thank you Jeff it's been so amazing getting to know you you know you've been you've been part of this community for so long I've heard you I've heard your voice forever <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to I'm I'm so glad I got the chance to get to know you it's just yeah. been amazing to be part of this whole. This whole family. Well, do not be a, a stranger. And I, I think, you know, this is one of those deals where um, if if life circumstances change, and, and who knows what, you know, life circumstances have, if life circumstances change, I know you will always be welcome here. And you've just done a great job working um Again, some difficult shifts over over time. As far you know, and I mean, again, this is a great business, but there is you got to be here Sunday mornings, and you got to be here whenever it is. Yeah, and I, I love it. I mean, I love Sunday mornings, but again, it's just sometimes it doesn't always work with 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 whatever's going on in your life. But again, it's it's amazing here. Don't be a stranger, Colleen Boland. Uh, her last your last show is Sunday, right? That's yes. the deal. All right, tune in. Don't miss that. Um, we will we will definitely talk again. Um, hopefully, I'll be talking to you from the state fair tomorrow. So yeah, I hope so. Okay, don't be a stranger, kiddo. Colleen Boland. Um, after a couple of years, just one of the a, a really truly, she's going to be missed around here. And I just didn't want to let her didn't want to let her sneak off without at least um, acknowledging that. All right, coming up next. All right, uh, I am not an early adopter. It takes me a while to start liking things, and then once I start liking them, they disappear. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. It's 1115. It's 1118. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Yeah, uh, tomorrow is the start of the Wisconsin State Fair, and as I get called off on this, as I get summoned in to sit in a jury pool um, that I will never get on, I will be out there at the State Fair bright and early at 1130. Um, okay, let's see. Um, I I, I can freely confess that I am not what you would call an early adopter. I'm not the guy that runs out and has to have the, the very newest edition of the smartphone. I'm not the guy that has to, well, when they got the brand new TVs, I, I kind of gradually get into this. And, and the nature, it, it's not just the fact that, hmm, I, I don't necessarily deal with technology well. It's I like to see if stuff, you know, works out and things like that. So, it you know, I, I just kind of ease into these sort of things. Um, one of the things that I kind of eased into was was the whole iPod era. I admit that I just find it to be extremely cool 
that you could take your entire music library, and I have a music library of thousands and thousands of songs. I have a very diverse musical taste, ranging from Jimmy Buffett stuff to Ramones. I, I, just, I, I find all sorts of music to be very, very interesting. So I, I have on my iPod, I have thousands and thousands of songs, probably six or 7,000 songs. And when I go to the gym or I go out on walks, I, I'm still, I'm the old-fashioned guy, I still use my iPod. You know, and I still, I, I still, I, you know, I, I charge it up. I take it with me. I, I use the iPod to get the, the music. Now, I understand that that's not the way most people do it nowadays. Most people, you know, they, they have their music and they access it through the cloud or whatever, and they have their iPhones and all that type of stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, I have a, I have a smartphone and I use the smartphone, but I still, I still have the, the old-fashioned, now old-fashioned iPod to, to get my music. I bring this up because there was a story in USA Today yesterday that caught my attention. Say goodbye to the iPod era. Apple, uh, let's see, here's it writes, Los Angeles, Dateline Los Angeles. Let's say goodbye, finally, to the beloved Apple iPod. Apple just quietly announced that it was killing the Shuffle and iPod Nano, Nano, leaving just the iPod Touch as the remaining model, and the Touch is basically an iPhone without phone service. The others were pure music players, like the original iPod. This signifies the end of the era. Before the iPod, you'll recall that Apple was just coming back to life. Then they um, they just they announced the iPod. Sales ended up taking off. It all changed October 23rd of 2001 when Apple introduced the first iPod. It had a built-in 5-gigabyte hard drive that Apple said could put a 1,000 songs in your pocket. Originally, the iPod could only be used with Mac computers. That changed in 2004, and sales really started to skyrocket then. That was one year after the introduction of the iTunes store. Um, and then it talks about how it grew and grew. The last classic edition of the original iPod had 160 gigabytes of storage space for songs. Uh, people moved onto um, all-in-one devices. Um, I think that was me. I've got. I think the one I have is about as big as the one that you can have. And I continue to end up, you know, using it. Um, now the story goes on to say that you know the the iPod, uh, again, it's just as a music player. People have decided, well, you know, why would we carry a music player when we can get all this stuff on, on the phone? And so um, you know, now what Apple is doing is essentially they're, they're, not, they're not making them anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get them. I mean, because there's discontinued models. You can still get them um, you know, on eBay or things like that. You know, Amazon has many, many choices as well. But Apple has decided that, okay, people aren't going to be buying and not using iPods anymore. Right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, I'm not an early adopter. It was only a week ago, a week ago that I finally got around to dropping my landline. I've been talking about this for the longest time. And, yes, I have dropped my landline, and I'm saving X amount of dollars a month on that. Having said all that, I am not ready to give up my iPod. Now, I appreciate that Apple is Apple's not going to be selling them anymore, but I, I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm going to continue to use my iPod, and my guess is that if the iPod I currently have dies, 
rather than, again, trying to get the music through the phone, I think I'm probably going to be looking around to see if I can replace my iPod, you know, through Amazon or something like this. I'm not ready to give up my MP3 player. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm really sorry to see these iPods and these MP3 players go. Um, it, am I a dinosaur? Or uh, do you still use yours? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I got to admit, I still love the dedicated music player. It's smaller than my phone. I understand that you can't make calls on it. But, you know, when I'm sitting on the treadmill at the gym, standing on the treadmill at the gym, I like just using the music player. I don't need the phone. All right, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. The iPods, they're, they're not making them anymore. Um, and I think that's too darn bad. Uh, it's 1123. We're back to discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1126. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We've really touched a nerve with this. We're just tuning in. Um, Apple has quietly announced that they are essentially discontinuing. They've discontinued the original iPod. Now they are discontinuing manufacturing all of their MP3 players with the exception of the one that is just really, it's it's really like an iPhone except without phone capability. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm channeling Charlton Heston. You're going to take my iPod, of, you're going to have to pry it from my cold, dead hand. Brian in Heartland. Brian, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Brian. So, yeah, there's, um, I'm with you. I've got the biggest amount of gigs on an iPod I can have. Right. And it's taken me a lot of work and effort to get my collection up to where it's at. Oh, yeah. And when you have a phone, you have apps and you have photos on it. So even if you have a lot of gigs, it's not all music. So I cannot fit as much music on my phone as I can on my iPod. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um do you find it inconvenient? What do you use your iPod for? When do you use it mostly? When I mostly use it is when I'm having, if I'm at a party or having people over and we want to listen to it because when you plug your phone in to play music, then if you're getting texts or phone right. calls, you can't answer them or you got to go unplug it. So it's mostly when I'm around a group yeah. and want to have uninterrupted music. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there there are uses for it. I guess I'm... I'm surprised that Apple has discontinued this because I, I got to think, and, and obviously they know what they're doing, but I have to think that there's a market there because I got to tell you, Brian, like I say, if, if mine dies, my, my first thing is going to be I'm going to go to Amazon and try to buy a new one, <laughs> exactly like Absolutely. I have now. Yeah, okay, thanks for the call, 414-799-1620. Okay, are we dinosaurs? Let's talk to, um, let's see, let's talk to Bob in McGuanago. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. I've got a classic. I've had it for years. I had a previous one that the battery finally died. I absolutely love this contraption, for crying out loud. I've got thousands of songs yep. on it. Um, you know, the, the batteries don't last long on these phones. Right. It's nice to have a phone that you can talk to other people and that the battery's not dead. Yeah. So I use my iPod uh, on planes to listen to music yep. while I'm exercising, uh, while I'm skiing, snow skiing. Yep. And uh, I do the same thing with a Kindle. I don't read on my iPhone. I read on a Kindle yeah. because I don't want to use up my battery. And Yeah. I also like the fact that it's smaller than my iPhone is. So, for example, if I go to the gym... 
Um, and, and I'm not one of those guys. If I'm going to be on the treadmill sweating like a pig, I don't want to be, I, I don't, I'm not going to be talking to anybody. I, I just, I leave the phone in, you know, in, in the locker. And I, I like the iPod is small. It can, fits conveniently in my pocket or on my, on the waistband of my shorts or whatever. I, I like it. It's just, it is so convenient for me. I don't want the phone when I'm working out. Yeah. Thank, okay. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's see, Jeff. I'm fifty seven years old. I use my iPod daily. It's a size that keeps it convenient. I'll buy a new one this week and shelve it for the day mine dies. By the way, I've I've owned three already. Let's see another text. My husband has two. He uses has the giant one with all his music on it, and he has one that he uses only for audiobooks. I am sad to see them go. Um, yeah. Let's see. Christina writes. My iPod is plugged into my car for my music purposes when it dies i will find another one yeah i tell you what we're going to continue this for one more segment i just there's something about these ipods that i think has really touched a nerve and i guess i'm just not ready to give up the mp3 players but apparently apple is apparently ready to bail on us all right are you still are you addicted to your ipod it's 11:35. jeff wagner 620 wtmj if you're just tuning in this is one of my pop culture discussions that I have from time to time. Um, I, I came late to the whole MP3 iPod player thing, but I, I'm sold. I mean, I, I had an enormous number of CDs. Um, once I got my first, I, I mean, I just thought it was so cool that you have something that's the size of a pack of cigarettes that can have six, 7,000 songs on it. And I have six or 7,000 songs on mine. What I did is I took all my CDs, I transferred them over to um, iTunes, and then I transferred them from there onto my um, iPod. And, I mean, I, I, I use it all the time. I, I use it in the car. I just can plug it in directly. I, I use it when I go to when I go on walks, when I go to the gym. I mean, I use this music player. Um, Apple, they're not making iPods anymore, not just the main iPod, but also the Shuffle, the iPod Nano. They're, they're all gone. Um, the only thing they're going to make is the iPod Touch, which is really just the iPhone without phone service. And I'm, I'm just not ready to have these go. Um, I'm very disappointed with the decision. Pat in New Berlin. Pat, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Pat. I think the, prob- the problem is that Apple's making their money off of the streaming services and the apps. Yep. And they're not making the money off of those of us, like you said, who have hundreds of CDs that we ripped right. and put on our iPods. And so there's no money in the devices anymore. You talk to my niece, she doesn't own any CDs. Everything is right. you know, basically rented or bought online. Yeah, like they, like, right, that is the new trend now. You sign up for a music service like Spotify or whatever. You pay however much you pay for that. And so... You, and then you can have access to essentially almost every song, any song that's ever been, been made. So it's just, I don't know. Have we become dinosaurs there, Pat? I, I'm afraid we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I just, I, I mean, and, and I have nothing against like the, the, the streaming music services and things like that. But for folks like, I, I got to believe that there's just a lot of people who have a lot of time invested in their, their iPods and who like it. I mean, I still like the fact that it's something, it's a convenient, it's a small size, it fits easily in my pocket. And I like the idea that I have a dedicated music player. I don't need all that stuff. I don't need to listen to it through my phone. I think what I'll end up doing is just putting it on a little compact hard drive and hooking up a speaker to it. Right. Yeah. Thanks for right. Like a thumb disc, some thumb drive, or something like that. Don in Brookfield. Don, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Don. 
My, my wife and I and both of our kids have iPod Nanos that live permanently in our cars. Okay. They integrate so seamlessly, we can use the car control yep. to use the music, and then we've got five other iPods that we use for other things. <laughs> so, so you are an iPod family. Yeah, and my favorite one of all is we've got a couple of the little shuffles, which has no screen. Okay. And when I'm doing yard work, I love it because I can reach down and change the volume, change the song, do whatever I need to do. I don't have to look at it. I can just feel it right. and make it do what I need. Right. So when these die, as they eventually will, are you going to be searching Amazon to replace them, or are you going to be moving into the, the 21st century using these down these um, like music streaming services and stuff? I'm going to look to replace them, although I was in Best Buy over the weekend after the announcement. They only had one shuffle left at the particular Best Buy I was in. Really? Yeah. No, it, it's. I mean, I, I'm. I'm just kind of the same way, and I, I know what you're talking about with the cars. I mean, my one of the cool things about my my newest car is you can just. I, I mean, I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but I can just like plug it in, and I've got access to all those songs that are there. I took a trip up to Door County a few months ago, and it was just so cool to kind of just shuffle through there and say, okay, what what album do I want to hear? And I'm a completist. I it's not just songs. I like to hear the different albums of of the performers and things like right. that. Right, and plus. By plugging into the car that way, it's constantly charged. Yep. You never have to worry about it not being yep. ready to go. No, th- thanks for call. I, I I tell you, this is it's just it, it it is amazing how technology changes because really the the iPod really took off in in two thousand four ish. I mean that's that's when that that's when when they made it compatible with Windows, so you didn't need just the Mac computers. So it's really, I, I mean, and I think it's something that at least for me, it revolutionized the way you listen to music. Let's see, Peggy writes, I have the iPod Classic. I use it to block out distractions at work daily. I just traveled on Amtrak, took my music collection with me. Matt in Wind Lake. Matt, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm I'm good. Although I'm sorry to see them stop making these things. <laughs> okay, two, two quick comments. I ditched my landline in 2005, <laughs> and uh, I, I had a lot of reservations. It was real hard to cut the cord. I'm glad you did. And secondly, I really envy you for hanging on to technology that you really are passionate about. I, I, cannot, I cannot say I have an iPod, but I have a very, very, very similar story. Um, I have a Sony Xperia phone through my Verizon provider. They provide it for one year on their network. It was 2014, and I bought it. And I loved it. I had two years of it with no issues. It was the strongest phone I've ever had. And I took it out of the case to clean it and do some uh, clean the screen. But I dropped it on my tile floor and cracked the glass in the back of it. Right. And I was just, I was distraught. So I contacted Verizon. They no longer had any more. But there were a number of vendors that carried this thing online that you could buy. But they were no longer compatible with Verizon's style of network. So you had to use like two other providers that right. I didn't want to have. Well, long story short, you can find anything on the Internet. In China, I found some unlocked, unboxed, brand-new Verizon logoed phones. Right. And I got them for like 190 bucks instead of $600. <laughs> so you're... And, I, and I, I activated a two-year-old phone, and it's outperforming current phones now made by other manufacturers. Right. So, so you're, you're hanging on. You, you've been able to find a way to continue to have that, yeah. that technology holding, that you I'm like. Hold, I'm holding on to old technology that I have a passion for and love for, and I... I love your story. I think it's great. <laughs> no, the, I, no, thanks, Nick. I appreciate. Well, again, it's just it's something it's it's something that works for me, and I'm not against the new tech. I mean, I I understand all the values of streaming and things like that, but you know, I like to have the dedic. I just I like to have the dedicated music player. I like the fact that 
everything is there for me in one particular place. And I like the fact that if I go on a trip, um, I can take my entire music library with me, you know, all, all at once. And I mean, I understand that the streaming services let you have access, but it seems to me it's it's just it's just not quite the same. So um, I, I'm going to be hopefully one of these iPod guys forever, and hopefully mine will last forever. Um, but if it doesn't, I'm going to probably be looking to replace it as well. Just saying. But uh, I tell you, it's uh, it, it it is a change. And I, I think actually one of our callers, I think Pat was on to something. I'm I'm not sure that they don't still. There's not money to be made, but I think what they're trying to do is drive everybody towards the streaming services, which is not just for music, but I think that's the way of, of the future when it comes to, uh, again, watching TV as well. So, um, But if you've got an old iPod and, like me, you love it, I'm telling you, um, hope it doesn't break down or else be prepared for your plan B. It is 1142 when we come back. Uh, crime. Crime in Milwaukee continues to spread to the suburbs. It's why you should care about what goes on in Milwaukee County. Stick around. It's 1143. It's 11.45, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The crew and the cards square off in game two of the series tonight out at Miller Park. We'll send it out to Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering to begin our game day coverage at 6.35, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. I um I listened to and watched the game yesterday. Um, That's I, I just I, I I'll turn the game on TV, but then I'll, I'll listen to Bob and Jeff. I think they just do a, a great job, and that was it was just a great ball game, you know. And I, and I understand the Brewers have uh, kind of they're starting to fall off the radar screen, and maybe they're they're coming back to reality. But you know, I tell you, they're playing really really good games, and you'd, you'd be nice if they could find the offense. I mean, they're struggling to score runs, but they've that the game they played last Friday night, the two to one game against the Cubs that they won, that was great. It's unfortunate that they lost the game two to one against the Cubs. Um, on, on Saturday night, but that was a really good game that went 11 innings. Yesterday was an extremely, if you're a fan of sports, it was an extremely well-played baseball game. You know, lots of the Brewers score three runs and then make it stand up, and lots of lots of great plays from both sides. There, I, I guess the bottom line of this is, however the Brewers season ends up, whether they make the playoffs or, or not, whether they catch the Cubs or not, um, it's a fun, it's an exciting team, and I'm glad to see people starting to go back in droves to Miller Park. For the longest time, their attendance was lagging last year's, and, and that, you know, it, it shouldn't have been. This is a much better team than last year's. It's a fun team to get excited about, and if you can't go out and see the game, um, what you want to do is you want to listen to it here on 620 WTMJ. And once again, our coverage starts at 635 this evening. How cool is that? Um, all right. I, I know sometimes when we talk about crime, I, I know that it only matters to some people if it's in your neighborhood. And I also recognize that there is this kind of general attitude that, well, okay, you talk about crime in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee or Milwaukee County. You talk about Milwaukee County judges. You talk about all that. Well, I live in Ozaukee County. Why do I care? I live in West Bend. Why do I care? I live in Waukesha County. Why do I care? When we have people that commit crimes um, out in Waukesha County and they get caught, we, we don't have a catch and release system. Our judges treat them differently. Same thing true in West Bend. Same thing true 
true, you know, in Ozaki County. We our, our judges are serious. Why should we care about what goes on in Milwaukee? If you've got people that are committing crimes in Milwaukee and the judges are silly enough to let them go out and continue to commit crimes, well, all right, that's a reason to move out of Milwaukee County. Well, I get that argument. But there's a lot more to it than that. Let me share with you a story. Of Fox 6 had it. Officials with the Washington County Sheriff's Office said four suspects were arrested by ATF, that's Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, task force agents in connection with the theft of an SUV that was stolen from a home in the village of Richfield early Tuesday morning. The SUV was recovered in Milwaukee where the arrests were made. It was believed that some of the suspects committed the burglary to the Richfield residence where the vehicle was stolen. Officials say the burglary happened shortly before 12.30 a.m. at a home in Richfield. The sheriff's office received a 911 call after the victims, a 61-year-old and a 58-year-old couple, heard a noise inside their home and subsequently confronted one of the suspects in an interior doorway of the home. Okay, so this this is a home invasion is what's going on at, you know, late at night. It's a little scary. Makes you kind of nervous something like this would happen here, um, a neighbor said. The homeowner chased the subject out of the house and discovered that his SUV was missing. I do have a bad habit of leaving my car doors unlocked with the garage door opener. That's going to change, the neighbor said. Uh, This is troubling in that it's the second type of incident like this in the last three weeks in the village of Richfield, the Washington County Sheriff says. Um, He said that deputies responded to a burglary at a home miles away last month. In that case, the suspects didn't take the vehicle, but they believes they did arrive at the home in a stolen car. Then he says um, what they're seeing is people coming out, um, stealing cars to use um, in other crimes and then abandoning them. And now they're they're looking to this. Well, again, how does this tie back into Milwaukee? Well, okay, the people that were arrested in connection with this, um, again, they're from they're from Milwaukee. Um, The suspects were arrested you know, in Milwaukee, um, that's where the SUV was co- recovered. So this is another one of these stories where what it appears is happening is that just like, I don't know, when you have a, a spill, and yes, it, it initially it starts in the one area and then it kind of spreads out, what we are starting to see is the out-of-control crime in the city of Milwaukee is now spreading to the suburbs. I had a story that I haven't gotten around to talking about, but how Shorewood, which you think of, you think of the village of Shorewood as being a, a relatively safe place. Well, the Shorewood police are are telling people, you gotta you gotta lock your cars. Now that that might be good solid advice, but it's something that I don't think a lot of people necessarily were thought of. You say, oh, I, I live in one of these Tony houses, one of these expensive homes. I got my car parked in the driveway. I'm not going to figure that any criminal is going to go up and either and just go into my car, take my stuff, or use my garage door opener to open the garage door and then get in my house. And I, and I understand maybe that's dumb, but that's not the way a lot of people think. You think, hey, I, I'm, I'm living in a safe neighborhood. Well, okay, that's been going on in Shorewood. And what they believe is happening is, again, you have people with criminal records, criminals from the city of Milwaukee, who are now 
expanding beyond the city of Milwaukee who are moving into the suburbs, moving for the purposes, not moving as in to live, but moving for, hey, let's go commit crimes out there because people who are living in the city of Milwaukee, they're starting to get wise to what's going on. So here's what let's do. Let's go to the suburbs where people don't necessarily think that they have to lock their car doors at night. Or let's go out to Richfield where maybe it's much more uncommon. The people in Richfield doesn't occur to somebody that if they leave their car in their driveway unlocked you're going to have criminals that are going to go up to their driveway they're going to get in their car they're going to rip off stuff in the car or again they're going to use stuff that they find in the car like the garage door opener to get into the house it just it's it's a different kind of mindset and i look and i appreciate the police now saying hey you know you got to make sure you lock your doors you got to make sure you lock your cars that that's all that is good advice and i encourage you to follow the advice but the larger problem is the necessity of following that advice is because the catch and release system and the spiraling crime rates in the city of Milwaukee are now spreading out to surrounding communities, both near and far, and changing the way all of us do business. Now, again, the one it's it's a very small silver lining, but I guess it is a little bit of a silver lining, is that I think what happens is when a lot of these criminals leave the cozy confines of Milwaukee County and go out and commit crimes in surrounding counties, what they find is judges who are going to be a lot less receptive to saying, okay, oh, you did a home invasion, all right, double secret probation. I don't think that happens as much, but unfortunately that doesn't change the fact that even if there's punishment, it means that some people... It means that still you're going to have crime victims in the suburbs. So be aware. And for anybody who says, why do I care what's going on with crime in the city of Milwaukee? Well, you should, because there's not, for example, a fence around the city of Milwaukee and criminals, um, they're coming to neighborhoods near you.